Morning, all. All good. We're going to turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're pausing our series, working our way through the book of Luke for this month, as has already been explained. Uh, March prayer month, fifth year running, where we take, we are, we are a prayerful people in many ways. We are a people who pray, and we pray a lot, and we're going to keep praying a lot. But every year we spend a month, four weeks, Focusing on the subject of prayer, pressing deeper into prayer, which always proves to be uh, more than just about those four weeks. It's about the subsequent 48 until the next one. God does something each time and helps us press deeper into a culture of prayer and seeking his face and being his people who are constantly, increasingly, constantly full of prayer. What's going to happen over the next four weeks? We're going to spend, on the Sundays, we're going to spend time in two verses in Colossians chapter 4. Shall I just read? Let's just read these verses, then you know what I'm talking about. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It's literally just two verses for the four Sundays. And this is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, and he says, uh, verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving, And he continues, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, which is where he's writing from. And we've broken that down into four areas of prayer for the next four Sundays. Today, I'm going to preach about ceaselessness in a a minute. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer elsewhere. I'll explain. He talks about praying without ceasing. Ceaselessness in prayer. Next Sunday, Andrew will be talking about the next bit, about being watchful in prayer, watchfulness. Andrew will be sharing that next week. And then uh, Paul says, do it with thanksgiving. Two weeks' time, David will be preaching on thankfulness in prayer. And then at the end of the month, um, three weeks' time from now, isn't it, um, I'll be preaching on verse 3 at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word outwardness in prayer, not just inwardness. Uh, in between, we're going to have extra Zooms for our, uh, to pray. Uh, we connect um, now and again uh, on a weekly basis over Zoom just to pray as part of our days. It's, it's, it's very convenient just to turn on Zoom to pray and then to get on with your day as well. You're not, you're not oh, I haven't got time to get to that person's house and make a coffee. We just get together on Zoom and we just get to the business of prayer. We do that already. We're going to do that more often. There's going to be Tuesday mornings, Thursday lunchtimes, uh, Thursday evenings, Friday lunchtimes. Um, to, to pray. It's all in the midweek updates. If you want more information and you haven't received those emails, please let me know. Um, we're going to have fasting Fridays. Fasting is not a means of twisting God's arm. It's not a bargaining tool, but it is a means to drill deeper in prayer and to seek his face. It helps us focus. Um, fasting Fridays, and we're also going to have an in-person prayer meeting at the end of the month on the final Sundays where we're going to gather together to worship and to pray together at the Beacon Centre. Again, all those details are in the emails. If you want to know more, come and find me. Why are we doing this? Like I say, every time we've done this as a church, we have discovered more of God's purposes. We have discovered more of God's heart. more has happened as a result. We, could start, we, 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 need, we need to write a hallelujah list, don't we? You know, fruits of the prayers that we made, the breakthroughs over the years where God has come through because of it. But each time we've done it also, we have caught even more how vital prayer is to the Christian's everyday life. And it, it, it's literally it's something that we have carried through. Each year has made a difference to our culture of prayer here. Richard Foster is a theologian who wrote a book on prayer called prayer. 
And uh, he says, the whole reason we pray is to be united into the vision and contemplation of him to whom we pray. In other words, prayer sweeps us up into a, a deeper walk with him as he works through us. And so, yes, prayer does change things, absolutely. But the one thing it changes most is us. Prayer, prayer is more than just asking, isn't it? Prayer is asking, but prayer is also more than that. There is, um, there is petition. Petition is asking. The Bible talks about you know, prayers and petitions. Petition is asking. Effectively, it's asking for, your, for yourself. We, we, we're all quite good at that, aren't we? <laughs> so we're quite good at that bit, asking for ourselves. Petition is asking for yourself, whereas intercession is more about asking for others, standing in the gap and fighting on their behalf. Intercession is asking for others. So it's all types of asking. But there is also thanksgiving, as we've already seen in this verse here that David will be speaking on in a couple of weeks. Um, that's not asking, is it? That's just open, God-directed gratitude to him for what he does and for, for who he is. But then there's also a place in prayer for contemplation, for meditation, the right understanding of that word, about a focused dwelling, reflecting on God himself, reflecting upon his character and learning to quietly be in his presence. That also is prayer. All of that is meant by that word that we use. And the more we understand about prayer, the more we begin to grasp that it's not a thing, therefore, to go on our list of to-dos, um, as much as it's about a way of life. And it's about the, a posture of our heart, is what's key to it all, and what it fundamentally is rooted in and what it is about. And so, today we're going to focus on one of those themes from this verse. Um, first two, first four verses, continue, uh, first four words, sorry, continue steadfastly in prayer, is what Paul says. Now, we can hear those words, and suddenly we think, oh, I don't match up to that. Do I continue steadfastly in prayer? I'm sure there wouldn't be anyone uh, overtly willing enough to put their hand up and say they do that. We're all very aware of our deficiencies, aren't we? Well, my prayer right now is that in half an hour's time, we've all not felt an unhelpful weight of those words as much as we've felt the joyful invitation of those words, and, uh, and we begin to run after such a thing as a result. I pray there's a release today rather than a burden, okay? Please don't mishear what I'm not saying and so on this morning. Let me explain. Firstly, prayer is always... Re- and I know we've talked about this as a church before. It's really helpful to remember that we are not called to start a conversation whenever we pray, rather, we're called to continue a conversation whenever we pray. God has already started the conversation. He spoke the universe into being. He, he then spoke to individuals, calling them into his grand master plan of gathering a family back home to him. And then he continued to speak to his growing family of people through divinely called, divinely called me, um, divinely called messengers, called his prophets. Um, And he would speak to them through his prophets for his people's encouragement, for their protection, as health warnings as well. Um, And he's continued to speak to his continuing growing family, us, his church, 
throughout the centuries ever since through his living word. This, is, this, is, this isn't just his word, this is his living word. This is alive for us today. He continues to speak to us today through his Bible. Um, he continues to speak to, through his prophets, through the gift of prophecy. He speaks continually all along and still does and will to do so universally through Jesus himself, God's own son, God himself. Jesus is God out loud. He is the ever-giving God, even unto death. He's now interceding for us on our behalf. He's, Jesus is continuing to talk on our behalf to us, for us. God continues to talk. He started the conversation and he's not stopped talking. And so, anytime we talk to God, whether it's for a request, uh, a need, a cry for help, a burst of thanksgiving, or just a chat, we need to remember that he started that conversation in the first place and we're just getting to continue it again and again and again. And knowing that and realizing that and remembering that helps us realize the incredible treasure that prayer is, right? And it gives us, therefore, every reason to not put it in a box for convenient times of the day uh, or to put it on a, a, a tick list of daily to-dos or just to do it when we feel like it or when we, re when we remember to. The Bible doesn't even really allow that notion putting prayer in a box or doing it when we feel like it. The Bible simply assumes that it is to be something that isn't merely um, a part of our list of daily doings, but rather it's, it's about who we are. You know, our examples throughout the Bible of people who lived this out. Uh, you see in the book of Daniel, um, uh, the prophet Daniel, in chapter 6, um, there's a decree being put out by the Babylonian king where God's people are in exile, including Daniel, and that the Babylonian king is putting out a decree that everyone effectively needs to worship him as a god. And it says, Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says, When Daniel knew that this document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was already a part of him. It wasn't just a response. It was part of who he was. And then you look through the Psalms. I love this. Multiple times in the day gets mentioned in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you. Psalm chapter 5, morning. Psalm 119, verse 62. At midnight, I rise to praise you. Morning and midnight. And then Psalm 55 Verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. He's quite happy to admit he's moaning. Evening and morning and at noon. And then also in Psalm 119, verse 164, seven times a day I'll praise you. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'd love to know what those moments are. It's just basic. This happens and I can't always even help it. It's coming out. It's who I am. I'm praising him. I'm talking to him. Sometimes I'm moaning. Sometimes I'm having a go. Sometimes I'm asking. But I'm always there in that moment. Some of these moments would have been scheduled. That's a good thing to do. We're easily distracted as human beings, aren't we? It's good to have that discipline anyway. But also much of that would have been spontaneous. It's just who I am. It's lunchtime. I'm going to pray. 
But then Paul here in the New Testament seems to take this to a whole other level, doesn't he? So here we've got continue steadfastly in prayer. Elsewhere in his letters, Paul says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, and we start from verse 16. Rejoice always. In verse 17, pray without ceasing. Then he continues, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he talks about praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times. Pray without ceasing. Praying at all times. And now in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, it's helpful when we understand that the word used for continue steadfastly is one word in the original language. Our modern English has split it into two. It's one word that doesn't just mean continue, carry on, keep doing it. Continue steadfastly is the strongest word in that language for commitment. It's about devotion. It's to be devoted and constant, to persevere and not faint. It's like in Acts chapter 2, they talk about um, they devoted themselves to prayer. It's the same, it's the, it's the same word happening there. It's about press into your praying and don't give up. But what does that actually look like? Because that can sound really exhausting, can't it? To be honest, what it sounds like, so I've got so many other things to do, I can't do everything and that. Well, I mean, preparing for this sermon has taken me on a surprising journey. I've got to be honest, one I didn't quite expect it to take. Um, but it's also one which I then realised God has been taking me on over recent weeks and months anyway. He's been preparing me for this sermon before I started preparing for the sermon. He's been taking me on a journey in prayer and I've been trying to grow in it and trying to, trying to learn. Um, and so you'll be, you'll be relieved to discover, myself included, that prayer is not an exhaustive thing on top of everything. That's, that, that's not quite what Paul is saying. The problem lies... When we hear those words, we're like, really? The problem lies not in Paul asking too much of us fellow human beings. The problem lies in our perception of prayer. And so it's not what he's saying that's the problem, it's how we hear it that's the problem. Like I said earlier, as we've been learning as a church, um, increasingly over the years, prayer is less about what we do and more about who we are. It's less about how long we pray for and the words we use and so on. It's more about how much of our everyday experience is consciously prayerful. It's not about our lives being crammed with private and public prayer moments and meetings, as important as they are. It's simply about our lives being filled with prayer. Sometimes that's alone, sometimes that's together. I mean, to put it another way, Paul, again, in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, he says to the Romans, he says, without ceasing, I mention you. It's the same word used there when he writes elsewhere about pray without ceasing. He says to them, without ceasing, I mention you. That doesn't mean he's not talking about anything else, does it? Rather, it's something he can't stop himself from doing. Just, he has this 24-7 posture in his heart. I just can't shut up about the Romans, they're brilliant doesn't mean he doesn't talk about anything else. It's not, it's not about occasional scheduled moments, and it's not about non-stop jabbering. And so for us to pray without ceasing, 
To persevere steadfastly in prayer is not just about occasional scheduled moments, therefore, but neither is it about non-stop jabbering. It's about a third way, about a 24-7 leaning in your heart in that direction, in your spirit. But then the next question, therefore, is, how, well, how can we help that grow? <laughs> we all know how fickle we are, how easily distracted we are, how lazy sometimes we are. We know what we're like. We've got responsibilities, we've got busyness, and so on. What can we do to help grow and be continuing steadfastly in prayer. Well, Pete Gregg, Pete Gregg uh, is a, a church leader. He lives over in Surrey. Um, he's through, through him, God, um, God inspired him to start the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, he's written the best book on prayer I've ever read. There's lots of them. There's some really, really good ones out there. I could give you a whole list. Um, some of them, there's others that, good, good stuff in them. You need to chew the meat, spit out the bones. Pete Gregg's How to Pray is the best book I've read on the subject. If you haven't read it, it's, it breaks, thing, breaks it down to like, I could do that. <laughs> oh, oh, is that, oh, that's not, I can, I, even me, I could do that. He breaks it down in a way that is um, accessible, but it's enlightening and it's inspiring and it's encouraging and it's full of stories. It's an excellent, excellent book on the subject. And in here, he tells this story about a conversation he had with a friend of his. Now, the 24-7 movement that began, I don't know, it was 20 years ago now, the idea basically was just a group of them was like, let's pray between us for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And between us, we'll all take different hour slots, but between us, all the time is covered by prayer. And it's become an international movement. They're now planting churches and all sorts of things. God's doing amazing stuff. They're great. But just after the 24-7 prayer movement has started, and Pete himself had signed up to an hour a day. Um, he's trying to work out what to do with that hour slot. How do I do this well? Well, while he was trying to work this out, and it all just started happening, he had um, pizza. He went out for lunch with a friend of his who's a priest. And this friend of his, while they were eating, he suggested that the hour slot that Pete had allocated each day to focus on prayer should be less about doing and more about being. And here's how the conversation went. This is Pete's words. He said his friend, he took a sip of his Pepsi and he said to Pete, I'm not against intercession and all those other kinds of prayer. In fact, I think they're essential. It's just that they're not enough. The world is so full of need. You watch the news and there's so much tragedy. How many things do you have to add to your prayer list after that? And then there are your friends. Marriage is breaking down. Kids being bullied, money worries, relatives dying. It's exhausting, it's overwhelming. There has to be another way. And that's why I asked you how you know when you've prayed enough. I wasn't being facetious. So Pete says to him, what, but you think the way to address the world's problems, therefore, is silence? And his friend replies, no, I think the way to address the world's problems is presence. What if... The hour you spend in the prayer room is when you refocus on Jesus so that you can carry his presence with you into the other 23 hours of the day with a heightened awareness that he is with you, he is for you, that he likes you, that he hears your thoughts. You start to pray in real time. 
You instinctively lift situations to the Lord in the actual moment that you experience them while you're watching that distressing news report or hearing about your friend's latest crisis. You're no longer deferring all your prayers to some later holier moment because your whole life is becoming that holier moment. Now, some of this Andrew will be touching on next week when she preaches about watchfulness in prayer. Um, All these four Sundays are going to overlap in theme. That's a good thing. Um, But we just need to see how prayer is not really something to turn on and off. But it's just there as a part of who we are. It's us who have made it otherwise, right? So I'm not saying you need to meditate for an hour. And please don't listen to the numbers. How many minutes? Don't listen to the numbers as much as the heart of this. In order for us to grow in prayer to an unceasing degree, this is somewhat less about what we can do and more about who we can become with Holy Spirit's help. It's not so much about adding more prayer into our day as adding more presence. Acknowledging and delighting in the Lord, which makes the rest of our day prayerful and our prayer lives unceasing. Therein lies the difference. I mean, think about it. If I were to pop in and see my wife Jenny for five minutes a day, or a bit, I could be, I could be a really good husband, twice a day, five minutes either end of the day, do it twice a day, or I could be a really committed husband and do it for a whole half hour. That's not actually me practicing my presence as a husband, is it? That's slotting my relationship with her into a little box. Well, of course, we all need to prioritise time with our spouses or our best friends and so on, because we, but life and other commitments do take us away. That, that, that's the reality of human-to-human interaction. But when our Father in heaven is permanently available 24-7, then he is, he is one who comes with us to work. And he is one who is in the car with us or on the train on our commute. He is one who hangs out with us on our break times. He is the one who joins in when we go to the soft play centre. He loves to come shopping with us. He loves to join us at the dinner table. He loves to watch over us when we sleep. There is never a restriction on the quantity or quality of time that we get to have with him. It's non-stop. And so the idea of praying without ceasing, continuing steadfastly in prayer, is not actually what can otherwise sound exhausting and intimidating. When we see it this way, instead, rather it's an invitation into a whole other way of life that we can be otherwise missing out on. My friend Tim, um, he goes to our church up in Cambridge, and he, he's living this out loud, it, just in the way when, whenever I see him, we're just having a chat. It's a normal chat about life and catching up and all that, but straight away, he just segues into prayer in an instant. You don't even realize you're doing it necessarily. We're just talking about my daughter, Amy, and she's at university, she's trying to work out which part of the course to do next and blah, 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 but her health is kind of getting in the way, and just goes, Lord, I just pray that you'll just break through and give her release and give her, give her wisdom to know what to do next, and they're just like healing to her body right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Anyway, how's Jenny? And it's just like, it's just, it's happened. We've just been, God's here. And he just does this so naturally. It's not weird. It's not clunky. It's just, he's acknowledging that God's here. Let's involve him in the conversation. The thing about what Tim is doing 
is his private walk with Jesus is that he is ever aware of God's presence at any given moment. And so he's ever aware, ever aware of God's involvement in the most mundane of moments too. And so prayer just happens. He's praying more because he's being more. Pete Gregg, again, there's going to be a bit more Pete Gregg later on as well. Uh, he says, it's not just by saying a lot of prayers, but by becoming those prayers 24 hours a day. Not just by interceding occasionally for God's kingdom to come out there somewhere on earth as it is in heaven, but by becoming the very patch of earth on which it touches down. It's very inspiring, isn't it? It's all well and good. But how can we find this place of contemplative being that fully transforms us into <laughs> these live links to heaven, if you like? Part of it comes in recognizing that God wants to spend time with us even more than we ever want to spend time with him. He's eager for this. Hear his heartbeat for this. And it's also in recognizing we're the ones who press the mute button on our end. He's always available and he's always talking and he always wants to. But I do know that some of us find this harder than others. Um, it varies. I've been learning this in, cre in increasing measure and believe me, it really works. I've always thought about contemplative prayer. I thought, well, it's bully for those people who are good at that. But ain't for me, I'm not wired that way. I've actually used that as an excuse. I may never be as contemplative as some people in prayer and silence and so on, but that's not a reason to try and not a reason to not grow in it. So I've been, I've been learning this over the past few months, and I have grown in it. might be in some small way, but I'm not going to compare myself to someone else. I'm going to compare me to me, me a year ago, not to someone else. I want to grow in this. So here's just a few things before I finish a where, when, and how. Some little things just to think about, just to get our hearts and our minds going about. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us this morning? Uh, where is quite important. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, when he's asked about how to teach us how to pray, he talks about going into your room and shutting the door, doesn't he? Um, for some of us, that would be a good thing, going into a room and shutting the door. For me, if I sit down... In, in, in a room with the door shut, in a chair. I do do it sometimes, okay, but more often than not, I get distracted or drowsy <laughs> sitting in a chair praying. So for me, going out for a walk is my version of going out in the room and shutting the door. It's, my, it's, it's, a, it's just, a, I'll go out on the seafront, there's hardly anyone around, and that's my prayer room. And my legs, my brain concentrating on my legs moving helps me focus in my prayers. It helps me pray. I go to the, sometimes I drive to the woods. It's about communing with God. What helps you commune with God and removes distractions and helps your brain focus? Your room might be a particular chair. It might be having a bath. It might be going out into nature. It might be even while you're driving as well. Just sometimes we go too much on autopilot and don't realize the red lights and the people we've hit. But, but driving does help prayer, doesn't it, sometimes? Yeah, it does. There's something about how the brain works while you're driving. It helps you focus in a different way as well. What limits distractions and heightens your engagement with the living God? You know you better than I do. Holy Spirit knows you better than you do. Ask him for help. 
Pete Gregg again says, wherever you find your chair, try to visit it daily. Let it become your thin place, a sacred space that helps you then walk and talk with God through the many twists and turns of life. Find your room, find your chair. So then when, as Pete Gregg has already talked about doing it daily, when should we do this? Again, you, you know how your mind and your body um, work for or against you during the day. We're all quite different. Some of us are morning people. Who's morning people? We see the oh, there's a few. Who's night birds? Yeah, I knew Bev would stick around up. Night birds texting at 1am. There's Bev. What about neither? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very good between two and two thirty in the afternoon and anything else is rubbish, yeah. Um you need to know how, how in that in this respect how you are wired, just don't use it as an excuse. Sometimes um sometimes it needs to be first first thing. Some of us like myself, I will do it before my work day. I try and I'm determined to do that. But first thing when I first waken up, I'm I'm no good to man or beast. Just give me twenty minutes, you know. Um, my, my eyes start, the moment I've got out of bed, my eyes start weeping. It's, yeah, it's, it's not just me then, I thought I was a weirdo. They start weeping to the point where it's like, I can't read for toffee, and making a cup of tea is proper dangerous. So I just like, give me, my, this is not a good time to pray just yet, just give me, give me a moment. But before my work day, when my brain's in a good place, I'll make sure I'm carving out space to spend time with the living God. And I'm learning that that needs to be less about talking and more about being. There are different times in the week as well, like I'll say, say about talk, going for walks and so on. So, um, for some of you, I'm aware of just gen- the genuine realities of life. Some of you have really early starts, and you've got drives to work, and you've got young children and so on. God's okay with this. There is grace here as well. But sometimes there's other parts of your day that might work for you. When I was doing shift work in the ambulance service, um, outside of those shifts, in between those shifts, I was, I was, I was rubbish. But on shift, I got a 30-minute meal break, I could shut myself away in a, in, in, the, um, in a room in the ambulance station where no one else was, or I'd even go and sit in the ambulance downstairs in the ambulance bay. I'll have got half an hour with God. I'll leverage my lunch break. There's diff- whatever works for you, but maybe your commute is a good place to leverage and use to your advantage for space with God. Sometimes it's in the evening. And I'm not dismissing um, a mental health can affect this as well in different seasons of life when you've got young children versus when they've grown up. Um, like I say, there is absolute grace here. Um, this is an invitation. This is not a millstone for your shoulders, okay? But again, Holy Spirit knows you even better than you do. Ask him for your help. Where shall I do it? When shall I do it? And then a little bit on how... Um, it's interesting, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says that Jesus prayed all night. What does that word prayed even mean there? Because, think about it, Jesus can't possibly, actually, in his human form, he can't possibly just been talking incessantly all night. Um, it definitely wasn't eight hours of just asking, was it? He would surely have spent much of that time in silence and worshipping and meditating and reflecting and listening and simply enjoying the Father's love, as well as asking. So you just got to know what might help you do that. For me, I've got, I've got a few little things. I've got a, um, I've got a prayer um, playlist on my music app on my phone. It's a bunch of classical music and certain movie soundtracks. It's just a certain type of instrumental music. 
For me, I don't have worship music on that playlist because I know I just end up singing and there's a place for that, but I know I just end up just doing that and then my time's up rather than communing and reflecting and actually practicing the value of silence as well. So a bit of instrumental music in the background while I'm going for a walk just helps me. I'm not listening to the music. It becomes a white noise that helps me reflect and spend time with my father. Um, I've got a thing called a prayer wheel. It's just a, it's just a little chart with five-minute slots, 12 five-minute slots, reflecting on different aspects of God's character. And there are slots within that space to ask him for things. But a lot of it is reflection on a particular verse and so on and just spending time with God on, in that area of life and so on. I can, I can send it to you. It's really helpful. It's a good way to spend an hour. It's really valuable and really fruitful as well. And there's also a thing called a, a le- Lectio Divina, which is a means of how to process a passage prayerfully, a passage of Scripture. You, you spend a bit of time in silence, and then you read Scripture and see what leaps out to you and ask Holy Spirit to help that, and then you ponder on it, and then you prayerfully work that through. There's a way of doing it that's just really helpful it's more than just, oh, I've read that scripture. Dear God, can I have this today? Thank you, amen. Done my devotions. It just helps you just slow your heart down a little bit. Again, I can, I can show you that if you come and find me. There's little things like that that also help you. I'm aware of time. I need to finish. But this all does have a mutual effect on our, on our emotions and our mood swings as well. Because just think about this. It's... It's generally, it's easy to worship, song-wise, when we're together on a Sunday with musicians to lead us than it is alone, generally, isn't it? And in the same way, it's generally a lot easier to pray with others than when alone. Hearing each other pray and amening alongside one another, it gives a tremendous boost to our faith and to our vision, um, and there's a massive place for that. But Jesus does explicitly talk about not relying on others for the richness of our own prayer life. He talks about, on your own, go in the room, shut the door. But when we are alone, there's a big temptation to avoid it, isn't there? There's a battle. I'm not feeling like it. I'm not in the mood. I don't think I've got the energy for it. I'm too tired. I'm too distracted. I've got too much to do. And Disappointments can get in the way. It's like, why bother? It hasn't happened yet. All that kind of thing. The devil loves to have a little poke here, doesn't he? Unmet expectations and so on. It can all lead to us giving up and not bothering. But I'm convinced that the more we spend time being with him, cultivating a life that is prayerful, not just prayer inclusive, the more it seeps into our bones. How many times do you regret not praying? Yeah. How many times do you regret praying? Uh, No. (laughs) That's a good clue there, isn't there? Now, I am not great at this at all. It's a good thing I'm preaching on it because then it's not, you know, bully for you, Steve, well done for you, I could never be like you. Yeah, you can, <laughs> believe me. But rather, this is something I'm trying to grow in and I'm asking you, let's, let's all grow in this. We all can, can't we? Zero guilty feelings here. Please don't be thinking, oh, I've got to do an hour of meditation now. I've got enough going on. I'm not saying that. Just all I'm saying is that I'm wanting to grow more in prayer And then hearing Paul talk about pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean more talking, which there is a place, and we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. It's about coming from a place of being, cultivated by slowing our hearts down, making room for practicing his presence and actually practicing our presence. (laughs) We're the ones who press the mute button, remember. 
in order that the rest of our days are more prayerful. Before I pray, let's just spend a moment with God. Let's learn to be with God right now. Let's see what Holy Spirit wants to prompt for each one of us. Because it is a question. What fresh decision about your prayer life can you make today? Doesn't have to be big, just a little thing, just a little change. What little change can you bring to your prayer life starting today? Because if you enjoy that change for the next four weeks, you're like, Holy Spirit, help me. We'll pray about this in a minute. But Holy Spirit, if you help me to make this change and to put it into practice while prayer month unfolds, two weeks after that is Easter, that's six weeks away. Six weeks to make or break a habit, isn't it? It's like, what little change could you do that will lead up to Easter with Holy Spirit's help and God willing be able to carry on? Let's just spend a moment just waiting on him and ask him, what, what little change could I do starting today? Holy Spirit, you're planting ideas in our heads of little things we can do. We want to spend more time with you. Help us to put these into action, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, persevering, mining for the gold, if you like, is an invitation it's not a burden. It's an opportunity for discovery that maybe more prayer isn't always about more talking. Jesus is inviting us into a deeper and richer walk with him. Lives that are infused with prayer rather than peppered with it. So Lord, help us just to stay in this place for a bit longer. Help us to fix our eyes on you, to know you more. Holy Spirit, come.